Greetings. The following is a YouTube video which you are invited to watch, but what she has to say is worth listening to. So, you have a very interesting story. You wrote a book. Yes. The book is called The Saran Strategy. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me briefly, what is that about? So um, my name, Aisha Saran, comes from my actual name. Saran's my second middle name, meaning Joy Swahili. So the Saran strategy was born during the pandemic when I found out I lost my job, when um, I was told a two-week break, that turned into two more weeks, turned into we don't need you. So I just had an idea, well, I have nothing else to do right now. Um, I have conversations all the time with friends, um, even people who aren't my friends who wanted to ask my opinion about things, they trust my judgment. So I said, what if I just wrote all this down, you know, and then just kind of essentially just like, you know, put everything in one place and sell it. And um, it being called the Saran strategy is a playoff of my, you know, my stage last name, um, Saran, but it just lays out things I believe Black women can do to have like happier lives, be more um, introspective, and just have somewhere to really, um, you know, express how they feel. There's also a workbook as well. So is it your opinion that Black women aren't happy? I don't think, I want to generalize and say every Black woman on earth is unhappy. No. However, I do think there are many of us who could be happier. And this comes from certain conversations I've had. So the whole title is The Saran Strategy, The Black Girl's Guide to Healing, Building, and Branding. And so it's not just about just like happiness. Of course, I feel like that's like, should be the foundation to everyone's life in general to be happy. But it also talks about just ways you can brand yourself. Um, me, I'm an actress, writer model at times, um, educator overall. I write curricula, things like that. I'm a life skills teacher, um, wrote my own film, things like that. So I'm a creative. So it's like one of the things I've been a creative is you kind of see art everywhere. And sometimes it's hard to really focus on one thing. And there's so many black women I know who are brilliant, but they won't really rise to their full potential um, due to their own insecurities or they don't know like what to do first or they're stuck, you know, maybe trying to help someone else who isn't necessarily even like receptive to their help or deserving of the help. So I want Black women to, you know, focus on themselves primarily. Is it your opinion that this is unique to Black women or you think all women have this? I is think, it a condition yeah. that <laughs> so this is the thing too that came up. So I've talked to other Black women, like this is really for everyone. And here's my thing. Do I think it is for everyone? Do I think all women of all races could understand? Of course. Um, I specify for Black women, though, because I'm a Black woman, and I think a lot of times when it comes to Black womanhood, like there's a specific narrative Black women have that other women necessarily do not due to just whether it's Black Americans of the history within this country. So a lot of times, sometimes I feel like, even if it's not purposeful or on purpose, I should say, sometimes I think as Black women, we kind of erase ourselves when we try to have everybody else, you know, on the same page with us. So not to say that anybody shouldn't be talked about or there, but other groups of women, they clearly have spaces for themselves. And they don't feel like, oh, well, this is only for Jewish women, this is only for Latinas. They, they do their thing. But when it's us, a lot of times like, well, I can write something, but you know, maybe take, I had someone say, maybe take black off, you know, and just say the women's guide, right? But you know, other groups aren't doing that. Like I said, now if you happen to be a white woman or whoever and you want to see the book, of course you can. A woman I know who's a mentor of mine very white woman, very Republican white woman, loved the book. Like she loved it, you know, but she didn't tell me to change anything. She was like, this is what it is. You know, if I were to watch Sex and the City, for example, and the characters are predominantly white, they're not trying to be like, oh, let me throw in 10 black characters. So black women feel seen. It's like, 
this is the show. You can relate to it if you do, and if you don't, you don't. So I just think that we should be equally unapologetic in that same way. So before we get into the book, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What qualifies you <laughs> to write a book? Uh, this is an advice book. It is an advice book, yes. A guidance book. Yes. A workbook. A workbook, yes. For a Black woman that wants to have a more fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. Well, fulfilled life, I mean, I got some really uh, grand... <laughs> Well, Go. Not, nothing not put on the pressure. Um, tell me, what, what mm, qualifies you? Um, so I'm a teacher, so by trade. So I do have my master's in educational leadership as well, my bachelor's in English liberal arts. I'm also an actress writer. And I just naturally just am a person, I mean, really of the people. I wouldn't necessarily say people won't believe me if I'm not like a people person. People are very complex creatures. And sometimes, you know, I need my solitude. But often I feel like, you know, the conversation within the book is really coming from my perspective, which is why it's called the Saran strategy. So this is not the gospel, right? This is not going to be for every person on earth. It's like, this is everything I believe in. People may have a problem with some things I'm saying, but it's also why I put my name in it too. This is what I do. And based on how things have been for me. So when people see me who know me or don't, or may not know me that well, and they see certain successes I've had, well, this is what I do. So everything I wrote in the book is true. Um, also, what's in the book are things I've gone through in my life up to now. I'm, I just turned 30 in April. So, um, you know, it just talks about just things I think a lot of Black women have also dealt with as far as maybe not feeling like they fit in or feeling like, you know, we're not the stereotype or what exactly is it to be a Black girl that moves to a Black woman. Um, not having someone really in your ear to really um, embrace your uniqueness or really, like, you know, build you up. I personally didn't really have that. You know, I had women in my life who I do love, but we had our issues like any other family would. Um, so for me, a lot of the nurturing I had to do, I had to learn how to do it myself or find people outside who could be that. So I feel like if I've learned something from others, you know, and I've taken on what they've told me and I've applied it and it's worked, why would I not give that advice to someone else? So that someone who may be 17, for example, doesn't have to find things out when they're 35. They can know about 18, yeah. So your book is very readable. It's an easy digest. Yes. There are six chapters. Yes. Can we walk through these chapters? Sure. Okay. Now the first chapter is called Herdwink. And I guess this is instead of Hoodwink. Exactly. <laughs> and Shamboozle. Yeah. Yes. Herdwink, so, Shamboozle. What does that mean? <laughs> so it's a playoff of Malcolm X. It's funny, the picture that's in there in the book, I didn't necessarily even intend to make it kind of look like um, Malcolm X, but it kind of does. I have like, you know, the glasses on, I put the, the uh, pencil, I think, and a clipboard. Um, but it is a play off a hoodwink bamboozle, essentially someone playing a trick on you. So her wink, shamboozle, like a sham, something that's not true, right? The things that we've been told a lot of times as young girls that we believe growing up. And like, once again, this is solely my opinion, that a woman who read it, who do agree with me. Yeah. Um, but the idea that, you know, how so many of us are really raised to really not like each other. And a lot of times we're told that by other women in our family or yeah, women we know. Like each other women or other girls. So as little girls, a lot of times we're kind of raised in an environment to kind of look at other girls as our competitors. Yes. So it affects how we grow up as women and how we view other women because we think from you know since you were maybe like five, six, seven years old, it can only go but so far in a positive way. Right. Yeah. That you're actually competing with the woman beside you. Mm -hmm. And you're saying not a good, no. not a good look. No, not a good look. Okay. Chapter two. <laughs> It's a girl gang thing. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about that. So those are my real friends in the picture. Um, so it is my friend Marak, my friend Raisa, my friend Miriam. And I met Miriam. We've been friends since we were like, what, 
16, like 15, 16, and we're 30. Now she might be 31. So that's a book 15 years. And the other two young ladies I met in college. So that's another like, you no know, 10 years or so plus I've known them too. So um, I wanted them in there for the purpose of why sisterhood matters. And for many, like I'm, I'm 30, but many years of my life, <laughs> you know, I've had issues with other girls. And some of it, you know, some people can be jealous. People can just not like you. Some people will really genuinely be upset with you about something. So for me, I had to learn over time the importance of those friendships because so many of us will say things. I put that also in the first chapter about the myths. I don't like girls. You can't trust them. But all of us still have some little group or at least one person we talk to who's the same gender. So that was my question. How do you get a girl gang <laughs> if you're of the mindset that you really can only trust them so far? Yeah, so that's the thing. So for me, like, I guess, like, I'll talk about Miriam, um, who I've known since I was in you know, junior high, well, high school. We were, like, ninth grade, I want to say. Um, she had just moved from Philly. I went to Abington. I'm out in the suburbs. So I spoke to her. And then, like, you know, we weren't best friends right away. We have to get to know each other. But I guess naturally, like what I was talking about in the book too in the beginning about the confidence some of us naturally may have. So I don't want to necessarily get off topic as far as, like, for example, like Tupac Shakur the poem, you know, the Rosa Group on Concrete, for example. That is about Black womanhood or we say Black girlhood. The idea that even without being nurtured, you still somehow grow and still are beautiful. I really want to shed that idea in the book, like the whole strong Black woman archetype as if like we don't have feelings or emotions or desires. I want us to be able to feel like we can be vulnerable and be soft. So to answer that question, for me, I have to, just me, think, okay, I don't like what I've been experiencing, what I've been told, or, you know, what I've seen, you know, from other people close to me. I don't want to be that person. So it took me to kind of, you know, kind of shed my ego a little bit and not walk into a situation assuming any woman I meet is going to be mean, you know, or try to hurt me. At the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a woman. And in the first chapter, I talked about a little girl. I did a, I used to teach like about sex and relationships and bullying and things like that. And I did a lesson on misogyny years ago. The seven-year-old, she was there. It was like a group of seven to like four. The oldest person was like 40 years old. And I, my icebreaker was simple. It was just like, okay, I don't like girls. And immediately she was like, what do you mean you don't like girls? You're a girl. Like she like pointed at me. And that was the point. And she understood. Like that's, that's what you look like. What do I look like saying that as a female? Mm-hmm. say give this book to your five-year-old right girls in terms of like you know like black girl magic like a lot of times we use that interchangeably um i personally i think the book is like for a range of like 18 to maybe like 25 but i've had women say it can be women who's 60 70 so whoever if it applies but the peas i come with in the saran strategy <laughs> so the first piece pussy second p is presence and the third piece patience and the three p's in that chapter relate to how we are within relationships um, with with men, right? And some things I some some things I feel that we are giving away easily or not understanding the power of that contributes to some of the pain that we get. Pain that could be a fourth P, but I didn't put the fourth P. But it just leaves that out. So the first P I understand. Mm -hmm. The second P was presence. Presence. Mm -hmm. And what exactly are you insinuating? So Presence in that context is about a lot of times, like, for example, a lot of women I have who are my friends, or even with myself, like I said, the book, 
I am the first person the book really talking about. So not that I'm roasting myself, but I think a lot of times, like a lot of us want to be able to be in a position to help others, but we haven't helped ourselves yet. And it comes that time you got to really humble yourself and look at yourself too. Like, well, if I'm really meant to do X, Y, and Z, let me examine self first. So I talk about myself in the book too. But with that chapter, it's about things that, that may go wrong in, in relationships that we are a part of because we put up with certain things we don't have to put up with. And it goes all back to the core of self-esteem, which was talked about in the first chapter. So each chapter builds on itself. So by presence in that context is about when you are with someone who's not respecting you, they're just they're disrespecting you, they're treating you in your kind of way, your presence itself is a powerful thing. So if someone's not respecting you, then remove yourself. That's what it talks about. So presence is like self-awareness? Presence, no, actual physical presence. Actual attention you're giving people who don't deserve it. Actually, can I read it an excerpt? Okay, that's what it talks about. I don't want you to give too much Oh, that give too much away? Okay, that's what it is. Okay, presence means that if this is not right, mm -hmm. then you physically mm -hmm. remove yourself. Mm -hmm. And the third key was patience. patience. So patience in regards to, like, for example, I know women who are, have been with the same boyfriend on and off for like eight, nine, 10 years. Mind you, I'm 30, so eight, nine, 10 years, that's 20, right? So this idea, like maybe, you know, women, you know, especially as your profession, women who kind of, you know, the biological clock's ticking, I want to have a baby, you know, he's not, you know, proposing or nothing's moving forward, but I'm not getting younger. So there are a lot of women, especially with us as black women, okay, I'm at this level, the guy I, I love or want to be with isn't, but I'm still going to do what I want to do anyway. But then a lot of things spiral out of control because this person is not the right person. So out of the fear of, that's in the chapter two, about this fear of loneliness or being by yourself, a lot of us will make decisions that hit us later on that we may not want to deal with. So I'm saying in the book that we got to think ahead a lot of times. So the patience part comes about patience to me, once again, this is needs to be earned, right? All this idea of so-and-so has potential to be this and that, but he hasn't done anything to get there yet. So my thing is that if potential is really there, then let him reach the potential. But in the meantime, focus on yourself. And if there's someone else who comes along who's already there, focus on that. But as I said, it doesn't take you like 15, 20 years, at least to me, to figure out someone's not the right person. But there are a lot of women who do that. And you're with so someone you're for all this time. You should not be that patient. No. Okay. That needs to be earned. The clock is ticking. Yeah, the clock's ticking. I mean, fertility is it's ticking just in general, just your life. There are women who hold themselves back for a relationship that's not been fulfilling, for a possibility okay. that's never realized. Okay, chapter four. <laughs> chapter four is be a bitch. Be a bitch. What's that? <laughs> so I opened it with a Diana Ross quote, and that quote is, and I talked about Diana Ross like a dog for years. Now, now as an adult, and I watched her one year for Halloween. So, but um, the quote goes, and I have all different sides of me, just like everybody else. Sometimes I'm really uptight and rude and nervous. And sometimes I'm sweet and wonderful and loving and everybody loves me. And sometimes they hate me, right? And the idea of that is that everyone has different sides to them. Now, because the book is focused primarily on a Black woman perspective, many of us are aware of people that may think we're bitches or look for any reason to call us out of our name. That's right away. If you're honest, it's a problem. If you don't speak enough, it's a problem. And you're snobby. If you have this, you're, it's always something. And so many of us, we don't want, because we have this tough facade as a collective as Black women, but we're women. We are still women. And not to get off topic, because there's a lot we can talk about, but I recently learned the importance of putting my womanhood first um, and why womanhood really, really matters. Because a lot of times, what do you mean by that? So a lot of times we, as Black women, we lead, like we're Black first. We put our race before our gender. However, 
oftentimes our male counterparts aren't doing that. Meaning they may have the black, ironically, Black Lives Matter being started by black women. They may talk about their blackness and this and that and racism, but in the, the day, they leave with their manhood first, which is why you can have a black man interracially dating. It doesn't see anything wrong with that. He's a man that sees women. Black women, on the other hand, look at race first. So a lot of times the gender aspect is on the back burner. We're so focused on being social justice warriors. We're so focused on protesting everything. We're so focused on inequality for everybody else. We forget ourselves. So we're not really nurturing our womanhood or our femininity or knowing who we are. And then that's used against us. Then we're told we're too aggressive. Then we're told this is why you're by yourself. Then we're told this is why you're, so, you're, you're bitter. But we're never nurturing that feminine part of us. So be a bitch when you see feminine. <laughs> kind of. So yes, yeah, so in the, the chapter. So I talk about what the actual nature of the, the word bitch is, right? And I, I spelled it B exclamation point T-C-H, right? But what it says is that essentially, no matter what, and I talk about myself too, my whole life I've been, like people talk about me in different ways. I mean, either people either really, really like me or they really, really don't. There's no real middle. And I've been in a situation where I walk in a room just quietly and on macro, she's a bitch. I didn't say anything, but it's because you feel some kind of way, it bothers you, right? So in the book, I talk about, well, the definition of a bitch technically is a female dog, right? If we talk about the nature of dogs, right? The nature of dog, what would you say? How would you define a dog? They're how they behave. How does a dog behave? Mm -hmm. I know it depends on the breed. I mean, the dogs but, are. Yeah, but they're known for being man's best friend, right? That's what it says. And they're known for being super loyal, yes. right? So it's interesting that if you would call a woman a bitch, right? It's because you don't like her. She's not doing what you want. So is a woman really a bitch then, right? Mm -hmm. There's certain words we use that don't make a lot of sense. We use that as an insult. But why would that be a problem? The reality is a lot of times just as you being yourself, People just have a problem with you for their own personal reasons. So what I'm saying, I'm not saying, oh, like, oh, embrace the word, the B word as like empowerment, like the N word. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying lead with what brings you joy and lead with being your authentic self. Because regardless, people are going to talk about you. That is true. Which is the fifth chapter, which says be real. Yes. <laughs> Why authenticity matters. Yep. That's true. Right? I mean, I think you said it all. I mean... Be a bitch and be real is kind of mm -hmm. combined together. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the last chapter is boss moves. What yes. So boss moves just comes, it's, it's a sort of a joke, but I mean, I do, so I'm actually currently working on my own LLC, so that will be announced like later on, but I do a lot of stuff. And I said, as a creative, you're never really satisfied. I sew as well. You are asked, I write, I'm still working on my film. I'm trying to get stuff done. Um, but it's like, I find things to do that really bring me joy. Like I said, I said this is not a book about anti-relationships and love. I love love, but I love like quality. Like I believe in something that's productive, not just to do something that's not giving you any happiness. I think that's a waste of time. And time's not, time waits for no one. So time's not going to stop because you didn't figure some stuff out. So I want women to really reflect on that, especially black women. But the whole boss moves things, I talk about, you know, what I do, how I became Aisha Saran. Um, the nickname I got, Madam Saran or Miss Saran for my friends. So that kind of thing. And just things you can do to really build your brand. And it summarizes the whole book too. It's all the chapters and why they're important. So now you're a published author. Yes. All right. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to show your book <laughs> and tell people how the book. they can get the book. So it's, yes. The, the, the artist did a good job drawing me too. Yeah, and I, that's, that's a real dress I have too. You saw it on Instagram. Oh, so okay. I went. So yeah. if someone wanted to get your book, how would yes. they do that? So you can message me directly on 
Instagram, I have a good salon strategy. Instagram page. These are my real friends. Yep. Just have the F off sweater. <laughs> um, but yes, um, the Saran strategy Instagram page. I'm also Aisha Saran um, on Facebook, A-I-S-H-A um, space, S-A-R-A-N, like Saran rap. Um, and also I have my own site, the SaranStrategy.com. I'm also on Amazon. So go to Amazon.com, just search the Saran strategy, not the Satan strategy, because those, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, because the way my name is spelled, S-A-R-A-N, yeah. they said, did you mean this? I said, no. <laughs> so the Saran strategy. So that's how you can find it. it's only $20. Um, and yeah, if you mentioned you have a bunch of books in tow right now as well. So we can meet up or you know. And are you doing speaking engagements? That's the plan. I'm working on some things. So I'm a teacher. Uh, I haven't to be off today, so I'm here. But um, I'm a teacher throughout the week, of course. So um, I gotta make time on the weekends to do stuff. But I'm working on a few things right now. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations.